Hi, welcome to Give Me One Reason. I am Kathy Taylor, and I am excited to introduce to you some beautiful people on this podcast, people that are brave enough to talk to me regarding their feelings and thoughts on faith and doubt. Thank you for joining in. Welcome to Give Me One Reason. I have been waiting for this podcast for a long time. Right, sir? Mm, a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, I one of my first people I contacted or we talked about, he said, I'd like to do that. And I'm like, you too. And um, I never got around to it. And we would be in close proximity to each other and it just never worked. So I am excited that during this pandemic... Got nothing else to do. We found time. We are socially distanced for everybody listening. Yeah. And... Uh, we are being careful, and we are going to hopefully still record. So I have the privilege today of talking to Brandon Cassidy. I'll tell you your last name. I'll edit it out if you say something that you should don't want to be heard. Um, one of my dear friends, I've uh, known him for several years. I think I first met you. Okay, you dated my daughter for a while, sort of, whatever. But We met before that. We did meet before that. You were in my philosophy mm-hmm. class. Yep. Yeah. A couple of them, I think. You were in my first one. Intro. The intro where I, as speaking of issues of faith, we could talk about this for a second. Nobody told me as a Jesus freak Christian mom at 42 years old when I start college that I would take a philosophy class and they would challenge my beliefs. How little did I know about philosophy, obviously. And I remember getting so pissed off when Dr. Schmid. I remember too told us about the spaghetti monster. Do you remember me getting mad about stuff? Do you really? Yeah, but you engaged the material, though. You did what did. a student's supposed to do. And yeah. I yeah. kind of got that more and more as I went along, that yeah. you were getting more out of it than a lot of... Oh I was God. barely awake. I was... I was. Well, I had issues with... Yeah. I struggled with fatigue and stuff. And yeah. When I was, and just entered college, the life yeah. I was living didn't help, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so it was cool... Though that there were a lot of stimulating discussions. Yeah. In that Can I tell you a funny story about that? Go for it. I again, I I was very naive. I didn't realize it would be challenging to my faith, and I didn't realize I didn't know what I was in for. And Schmid was a formidable foe. Okay, mm. he knew what he was talking about. And um, um, I remember the first class. Oh my gosh, we just went round and round, and after class we had a few discussions that got kind of heated. I got heated, he stayed calm. Oh, he always did with that, with that kind of snide smirk. Yes, I mean, yes. In case he hears this, right. I respect him a great deal. He oh was my one of my God. favorite instructors there, but yeah. you know, yeah, he definitely has a self-assuredness. Well, he was very him. confident, right? <laughs> there, yeah. And, and, and um, I was very offended, and I look back, wow, I'm, I'm not that person at all that I was, but... The funny thing about that was, I remember, I ended up really challenging my faith system, and I ended up taking a second philosophy class. 
And then I took a third philosophy class. Yeah, I think we were probably in a couple of those. Together. Yes, and I ended up having 21 credits of philosophy. I'm three credits short of a minor in philosophy, which people that know me well think that's kind of silly. But the cute thing is, as angry as I was with this man who I assume was an atheist, <laughs> at the end of my career there at UROC, he had to write, a, he had a dossier that he had to put online. Mm-hmm. And he wanted one letter from a student, only one, and he asked me to write it. And I wrote the letter because he literally changed my life. Not in that he made me an atheist, but that he let me see how silly it was to not question your beliefs. To not think critically. To not think for yourself. And um, that in itself changed my life. And I, I love the man. And I always, every once in a while, think, I wonder if he's proud of me, like, if he knew what was going on. And I did tell him when I went on to be a professor, I sent him an email and he said, you'll never guess. And he said, Kathy, I'm so proud of you and blah, blah, blah. So I've tried to reach out to him about dogma debate, you know, because I was on that uh, atheist podcast. Did you know that? Um, I feel bad. No, I'm no, not that's fine. But it's this dialed in very well. A couple of years ago, you know, my oldest son is an atheist. And a couple of years ago, I got to be on this um, podcast because my son said, Mom, ask this guy who talks to Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, all these people. And I called and um, or I sent an email and he said, yeah, let's talk. And our episode ended up having like 100,000 downloads. And wow. I became his favorite guest. <laughs> and so now I've been on there three times. And um, I followed Richard Dawkins last two months ago. He had Richard Dawkins on one week and then I was the next one. Wow. It's just silly. <laughs> and um, That's got to feel cool. But he's like so precious and um, one of my best friends now. But... It's been a weird world, a weird trip in these issues. And they didn't really start two years ago with David Smalley and Dogma Debate. I would say they really started in that philosophy class ten years ago. Wait, now, is that... Uh, maybe I did hear... Because you Did you send me something? I think I did that? send you a link. Then I yeah. listened to that. If okay. that was that podcast, then yeah. I bet on three that. of them. Uh, three episodes, but yeah. So my there first one was more like, Ooh, David, you know, no, what about this? And we're very polite. And my second one, I'm not really polite. He, and we're more know each other better. It was one of those ones where you told your whole story? Yeah, kind that of. That was the one I heard. Okay. Kind of thing. That was the one. And then the third one, he got me a couple months ago. Ooh, Brandon. He was very evangelistic in being an atheist with me. <laughs> and I almost folded. I'm crying on the podcast. And I'm like, David, then what am I if I'm not this? And he's like, Kathy, you're just an atheist. You don't know it yet. But... Anyway, and that podcast is what, it's a silly backstory, but that podcast is what Richie listened to and said, which is your friend, our last one yes, I uploaded. Yes, that's correct. And it's all coming back to me now. And he's, Richie he's said, Kathy, I haven't seen him in a while. But. I want to talk to you because I listened to that podcast, okay? So. Um, well, he reached out to you. Kind of, yeah. Because oh, okay. he lived with my stepdaughter for a while and, um, and her boyfriend. and Yeah, so I had a little history with Richie, but... Um, he was like, yeah, I got something to say about that. So I kind of assumed that Richie wasn't an atheist because he kind of got, he was very sympathetic to me mm-hmm. about that last podcast. And so I was shocked in our conversation that it came out that he was an atheist. I didn't get through the whole thing. Yeah. But it did, yeah. So, I, I didn't have, I don't think I've had a discussion with him about beliefs, but I would have pegged him yeah. for an atheist, I think. Yeah. I, and I really had no idea. And I just thought it was interesting that he kind of was defensive of me in that but silly doesn't matter but um it's a weird world well you find out all kinds of things about people that you you know until you start to question things you don't you yeah. have your one yeah label or one um 
everybody gets a box that they're put in. And exactly. Human beings are too complex to be put into one box. You would need several boxes just for each personality dimension. Absolutely, Brandon. Absolutely. Yep. I don't want to, before we move too far yeah, away. Please. Um, from talking about intro. Yeah. Back in aught seven or whatever it was, aught yeah. six. Yeah. I love saying, I love that I get to say that. I know. You look too young to say that, dude. Yeah. But um, that was the class that did it for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Were you a believer before that class? Yep. And that intro to philosophy class made you not a believer? Yep. I mean, wow. that was one of the... I hadn't... I had spent my whole upbringing thinking critically, I thought, about my beliefs and about everything, but it wasn't until I had a formal, like a, you know... A, a formal education showing me like here, here are some other ways mm-hmm. you can also think about this mm-hmm. and then I began to think in those ways in those new ways and I reached conclusions that I just couldn't continue believing what I was believing mm-hmm. um, I just read that those are just the conclusions that I reached yeah I'm not I don't identify myself as an atheist mm-hmm. okay I you don't agnostic okay because and can you tell me that difference for well, you I guess the, nowadays People use these words differently. I think when people... Are we still rolling? I'm just checking if we're still rolling. I think we are. Oh, yeah, we are. Good. We are. We're rolling. I'm just checking. We're just getting into it. Yep. Um, okay. I think when people these days, most people who identify as atheists... Yeah. Almost mean anti-theist. Mm. Like when you said... Um, Against God. What's like, his name? God ev- evangelical with you. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a lot of friends... Who I might lose if they hear just that I'm on a on a a podcast about faith and religion that I might uh, you won't lose end up. Are. No, I know I'm kind of joking. They they're 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 good. If they get mad at you, tell them to come talk to me. <laughs> yeah, get they, come on the podcast. they have the balls to talk to me. Right. Um, but no. Um, so okay, I've been a little scattered because of quarantine, so mm. I might lose my place a no couple problem. times here. Um, Friends so, anti-theists. Mm. Yeah, atheism to me anyway just means just not participating in theism. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that you're against it or that you're trying to convince people that they shouldn't be religious. But I don't identify as an atheist, and a lot of people who do are do do feel that way. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm probably not correct. But um, the way that I learned the, the definition of agnostic, as I understand it, is well, let's pick it apart. Gnostic meaning like knowledge, right? Or, or, yeah, I guess that's the, what that root means. And then a, mm-hmm. without knowledge, mm-hmm. because we can't know. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's what faith is, right. really. Right. But instead of choosing to have faith, I just choose not to mm-hmm. because I don't think it matters. Okay. And if I'm wrong, well then I'm screwed. Yeah. But I'm I'm taking that gamble. Yeah. Because I just haven't. I, I, the way I look at things, the way that they add up, they make sense to me now the way that they do more than when I was growing up. I had so many questions, and I asked the questions, and I hope I do get a chance to talk about Please. my upbringing. Oh, that's what I'm going to ask you now. Okay. Tell me in the beginning, like, how do you raise? What did you believe? Well, okay. So, my parents were both nominally Christian. Okay. Um, like most, you know... Like white middle mean? American like, like just uh, go to church on Easter Christmas well no my mom went to church every Sunday my dad never really went to church that much except for mm-hmm. sometimes on a holiday or a special mm-hmm. day but I was baptized in a Methodist church when I was born and I went to that Methodist church for a little bit 
or I think there was a different church, and then I went to the Methodist church till I was in elementary school. Either way, my mom ended up not satisfied with that church for one reason or another. There was something she didn't like about it, and we ended up going to First Lutheran here in town. Mm-hmm. And I, that was a really engaging experience for mm-hmm. me because it was, it's a really, have, have you been there? Have you been in No, it? I think my husband grew up in private church, and it was a positive experience for him. He doesn't have much in, bad in First to say. Lutheran? So. That church is beautiful. It's just yeah. architecturally, you know, yeah. just, it's just in, inside. It's is that the one by the fairgrounds? Yes, it's Look. such an old building. And yeah, um, when when the Hendrix people added on to it, or before they mm-hmm. had their falling out or whatever, there was a donation, and they have the new entryway and everything. Yeah. Um, I was worried that they were going to ruin the the flow or the vibe. Yeah. Um, but I've had the opportunity to go in there, and it's. They did a good job of matching the old stone on the outside, and then the yeah. inside doesn't look too gaudy. Yeah. Like, they haven't ruined yeah. the... Because... This is also, this is kind of, now we're getting into superficial stuff, but this is one of the things that I've always re- kind of enjoyed about Catholicism, and then to a lesser extent Lutheranism, is just the, kind of the pomp, and, yeah. and just the... Uh, yeah. I know that's what you're not supposed... As a good Christian, you're not supposed oh, to... I know. But I'm not a good Christian. Right, I so, got what you're saying. So the liturgy, and the rote, and the, the, the not ritual... Not all of it, but... but Ritual to an extent, yeah. definitely. I think ritual is important. I think the human mind needs some kind of ritual, and I think yeah. that's a big part of what religion gives a lot of people is that yeah. fulfills that very animal need, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, th- I think is satisfying to the brain and to just to be engaged in something and to be doing something with other people. That's well, a big part of it. It's funny you say that because a lot of people I know that grew up like evangelical or more non-denominational, yeah. a lot of those people, especially younger millennial type, they are drawn sometimes if they're drawn back to faith they're sometimes drawn to Episcopal Catholic Lutheran because they never had that structure or traditional yeah, liturgy and they, they find it beautiful that. they find it beautiful I know people that have became Catholic after being evangelical most of their life because they like the pomp and circumstance because you never did get that yeah. when you evangelical it's kind of like whatever God says to that pastor that day right. and I had one Catholic kid I interviewed from Whitewater and for this podcast, and he said he finds it beautiful that no matter where he is, and this is something I learned about Catholicism, all over the world, the priests, so his parents are hearing the same message from their priests that he heard from his priest in Whitewater. So the Pope lays out, I didn't know this. I didn't know this either. The Pope lays out every week, every year, what everybody's supposed to preach on for that week. Wow. So every Catholic in the world is hearing the same Message with a different flavor because yeah. every person gives it, but they're going over the it's same. Like here's the curriculum. The for... same scriptures, the same. Yeah, and he found that comforting and kind yeah. of beautiful. Well, of course, because then you suddenly learn that you have this world, this global community that you belong to. Absolutely. Now, that could be a very dangerous thing, and yeah. a lot of people, especially people in my generation and people who are not religious, are quick to talk about all the terrible yeah. things that the Catholic Church has done over history. But and you know, and I'm not going to sit here and. Right. Say that there haven't been terrible things. Yeah. Um, however, when you have a structure like that, where everybody is that united, if you have a good leader, if you have somebody who's genuinely good in charge, mm-hmm. you could do a lot of great things. Absolutely. And then on the other side of that mm-hmm. coin, if you have somebody in power who's not yeah. got a good set of intentions in their heart, then you can have a very effective means at, at you know, a lot of... Uh, well, it also elim- eliminates some of the crazy, like, because I've been in a lot of different types of churches in my life. I've been in churches where people lay on the floor and laugh for hours. Seriously. But now I wonder, okay, not to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, that, of course, looks ridiculous to me. Yeah. And I kind of snicker at it, but 
I, I have to wonder why they're doing it. Is there some kind of experience that they're having? Yeah, that they feels felt they felt the Holy Spirit was getting people drunk with the spirit of laughter. And if it feels good to the people who are doing it, if they're not being charlatans and doing it just to get other people to get down on the floor and do it, if they're doing it because it's something, they feel something. Yeah, but you wouldn't believe the offerings that come from every night. So come back tomorrow night and laugh for two or three hours. Bring your neighbor to laugh for two or three hours. And they all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was money driven, and Let's I don't think I think if God was going to make you lay on the floor and laugh, He would make you be nice to your neighbor or right. give the poor guy something. But right. but what I'm saying is that growing up evangelical, every pastor was autonomous, pretty much, right? So you can say, so I had a pastor that would prophesy over people. You know, God doesn't want short skirts, or but what I'm saying is there was no check and balances so he could say whatever and then another church could say whatever so I kind of thought the beauty of what I learned that about Catholic the Catholic church is it does away with that there's um, a consistency yeah there's a consistency and a check and balance on weird messaging because yeah if you get one person who acquires a congregation of people out in the boonies they can be saying whatever they want absolutely and, you know, half of their congregation aren't reading the Bible anyway right and those that are are going to have their own interpretations. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so you were baptized. How old were you? Were baptized? You remember? I would no. I was I was a baby. Oh, baptized as a baby. Okay. Like, yeah. In the Lutheran church. Yeah, okay. Nope. I was baptized at a different church. Oh, and then okay. When I was in elementary school age, um, don't remember exactly when. Mm-hmm. I we went to the, the Lutheran church, and yeah. then that's where I had my first communion. Mm-hmm. Which again, that was you know, the ceremony, the ritual. That was mm-hmm. all really interesting. I don't know. I feel like a bad uh, scholar of these subjects because I don't know what Lutherans believe. I don't think that they believe that the communion was the blood and body of Christ. I think that's only in Catholicism. I, think you're I could right. be wrong, yeah. though. And I might be pissing off all my Lutheran friends. I don't know how many I have. but I think it was symbolic. I was Lutheran too for a while. Um, so, But either way, so that was an interesting time. I mean, the church was beautiful. Everybody was really nice. And then we had Pastor Ken, and I don't know if he's still mm-hmm. active or you know around in the area, but. Pastor Ken was really cool. He, I think, uh, I could be wrong, he was also a science teacher. Hmm. I, I want to say, I could be wrong, and but I remember I did have some conversations with him about different science topics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear a lot of stories about people who ask too many questions in mm-hmm. church or, you know, try to talk about yeah. science or something, and then they get shut down. I never had that happen to me. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I, anytime I had questions, they were answered in whatever way the person answering them, mm-hmm. you know, whatever tools they had to answer my questions. I was kind of a, to be fair, like, they were dealing with a lot with me. Like, it was, I wasn't just a kid asking questions. I was a very difficult child. <laughs> were you a difficult child? Just with my ridiculous yeah. questions and just the types of uncomfortable questions that I would ask on adults, because I genuinely, genuinely wanted to learn, but yeah. I didn't understand that, you know, some of the questions I was asking were too adult for a child to be asking. Yeah. Um, huh. Not necessarily dirty stuff, but just yeah. even complicated right, things right, like right. in church. I would yeah. be asking complicated questions that they didn't know how to answer. But, you know, Pastor Ken always tried, and he would have the discussions about the Bible with me. He'd have the discussions with science about me, or, or mm-hmm. about science. Yeah. with me and um you know so so i never had any kind of negative experience with any of the pastors or ne- I never had any negative experiences with anybody in the church other than just one or two of the kids yeah just because yeah, of stupid sure. things that weren't related to religion yeah um because kids will fight but and my mom actually taught sunday school there for a little while wow um i never had her i think she was my like my sister's age group had my mom that year um but, yeah, for one reason or another, we stopped going to church. I don't remember exactly when. 
I would have been probably around 10 or 12. No, because First Communion was 10 or 12. So we went for a few years after that. Somewhere right before high school, I think, we stopped going. So early 2000s, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there, 2002. Um, but I was able to get confirmed in that church. They, well, basically, they, my mom was worried, oh, okay, he's going to be 18, we need to get him confirmed, we haven't been there in years, what are we going to do? Pastor Ken was just like, he knows more about the Bible than most of the congregation, so just <laughs> let him, you know, here's what he's got to do to get ready, and yeah, then just yeah. show up on the day and do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so I didn't have the whole story. I was taught, I was told, pick a Bible verse uh-huh. and memorize it. Okay. There were two things that I wasn't told, because this was... The pastor's telling my mom to tell me. Okay. And so it was a little bit of a t- game of telephone here. So I was told, memorize a Bible verse, uh-huh. and that's it. What was left out was, memorize a Bible verse that has to do with coming of age or, or being reborn or oh, something like okay. that. Or, you know, anything that, like, for instance, if you want to quote something that Jesus said about becoming an adult or becoming born again, spiritually or, yeah, born again yeah, or whatever, yeah. that would be great. Um, and then you're going to be, the thing too that I wasn't told, you're going to be reciting that for the congregation. Oh, Okay. So you didn't pick Jesus wept, did you? <laughs> no, no, okay. I wasn't that lazy. Okay. I, I, I definitely picked a much longer verse than that. Um, wasn't what I was supposed to pick. I picked a verse from the Book of Revelation, okay, because I thought it sounded cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's a verse you may be familiar with. Yeah, probably. Um, called the Great Horror and the Beast. Oh my God! <laughs> you did. Um, and, and you didn't know you'd have to stand up and recite. No, it? I just thought it was sweet, and I memorized oh. it, and I went up there. When they told oh me, when they, so, when they, so I see everybody else reciting theirs, and I'm racing through, like I'm in the pew, like trying to find another verse to quick memorize. Like, <laughs> what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Yeah. And I'm, and I've struggled with my anxiety my whole life. I don't know how I got through that moment. To be perfectly honest, I wow. was like looking back, how bad I was at handling my emotions back then, even compared to now, and that's like, a, like a stage fright situation. Yeah. I, I don't know how I got through it, but. I guess I just kind of turned my brain off. At one point, I realized this is happening. Like, I'm not yeah. going to memorize another verse for the next yeah. six minutes. I'm I'm going up there. I'm at the beginning of the alphabet. <laughs> you know, I've, I'm three people in. I'm yeah. I've got no choice. So I just went up there, all fire and brimstone. Oh and I think I used my fist on the oh podium a little bit. And um, this was I wanted to laugh. Like, if I wasn't so horrified, I would have laughed because it was one of those like out of a movie where nobody knew how to respond, and we got like a. <laughs> oh. And then there were like a few, there were a few claps, and then I got out of there. I got down, and I went to my mom, I was like, we need to get out of here, and we left. Um, And that was the last time that I had ever attended a service there. Oh my God. And I, so I was confirmed as, you know, in that Lutheran church, and then I did, like I said, I did get to go back, but that was for the orchestra. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. uh, Halloween, or or, or, uh, October 2018, there was a show there, and my dad was not able to go he I yeah. forget what he had he had some other work he had to do so I was the guy I was the stage manager for that show but that must have been a surreal yeah, moment it was kind of stressful yeah, but yeah. it was really nice being back there it was still beautiful still looked just the yeah. way I remember it they didn't update yeah. it with a bunch of gaudy yeah. um, overly modernized like, even the new additions had I, I appreciate I wonder who the artisan was who designed the new stained glass mm. for the addition they tried to copy the original style mm. You could tell it's an imitation, but yeah. they tried as yeah. faithfully as they could. Yeah. I love stained glass. It's so beautiful. I appreciate that they thought that much about it. Yeah. That they wanted to have continuity yeah. across the whole building instead of just like, well, here's the new yeah. part. We made it We made it even better, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, instead of doing that, they tried to make it fit, which I, I appreciate. Mm. Um, but anyway, so I... 
So when did you go to college? Um, right out of high school. So, you know, oh. uh, 06. I graduated high school in 06, and then I went right to Iraq. Oh, okay. So, now, my senior year of high school, so right around the time when I was getting confirmed, mm-hmm. I was at the Janesville Academy for International Studies, mm. which I don't think exists anymore, unfortunately. Mm. I spent the first three hours of my school day there learning about the rest of the world, wow. which changed my life more than almost anything I've sure. ever had. Yeah. Um, and I wish that everybody, especially in this town, were able oh to learn God. that. Especially in Rock County, yeah. Because it oh, broadens your worldview. Even without being able to travel, I did eventually get to go to Japan because yeah. of that. And yeah. I spent a month in Japan after I graduated. Yeah. But even before doing that, I, I got to learn so much about the world, and I felt like I had traveled because I got mm-hmm. to meet people from all over the world. This was at a time where, you know, it was only a few years after 9 11, and we still had this mentality. A lot of people I know still yeah. had the mentality of, like, you know, it's us against them, us yeah. against the rest of the world, it's yeah. where all the terrorists are. and. Yep. You know, that's more or less what we were being taught in Western Civ at right. Craig. Yeah. But then I would go over to the academy, and yeah. there'd be, like, people from the Middle East we'd be yeah. meeting. And they'd be like, yeah, no, we don't hate America. Our leaders seem to, you know. Yeah. But we're just living our lives. Oh, and I'm so like, lucky oh, wait, to get that so young. They're all people. They're just people like us. Yeah. Exactly. And I got to meet people from Germany who got to, to talked about the Cold War. I, got, I met with people from South America, people from Argentina specifically. Um, I had a tutor teach me Japanese and then turned out that she was married to a guy that my mom went to high school with and they all met at parent-teacher conferences and um, they invited a friend of mine and I to go with them Mm -hmm. to Japan in the summer later that year and I went and it was again one of the most transformative eye-opening experiences that I've ever had all of that stuff was just really eye-opening okay so one of the things that I got to experience there was a couple you may be a little bit familiar with uh, Fred and Jale oh my God, yeah. gave a speech on, yeah. or just kind of like came and sat down and, and yeah. told us about Islam yeah, and their experiences and coming to America and, you know, how things are, especially post 9-11. Yeah. I mean, that was, of course, a conversation yeah. topic because it was very important to people at the time. But I started to go, you know, this stuff sounds really cool. Yeah. I was like, this sounds like a much more raw, unfiltered, you know, organic, yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's, it's talking about Armenian the same term. God I grew up with, <clears throat> yep. only... You know, he Different sounds like he's, he's cut the bullshit. He's right. he's ready to just, you know, yeah. get straight to the point. And I, so I read, you know, an English translation of the Quran, which yeah. I still have on my yeah. bookshelf. Yeah. Um, well, no, I read, okay, I have, have, I've had a few. They lent to me one and I read it and I have a different one now. Um, but I, I really started to... As the more I learned about Islam, the more I was still, you know, very much a theist at this point. Still very yeah. much searching for a, yeah. a way that yeah. worked for me to worship God. Yeah. And um. And that was appealing. Yeah. And so I did my semester project on um, what was it? Perceptions of Islam in the West. That's what it was called, especially post 9/11. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to kind of dispel a lot of myths. You know, mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. every every I feel like every society has some group that's you know the boogeyman group that like oh they're sacrificing babies and mm-hmm. like dancing under the full moon or whatever and mm-hmm. every religion has said that about the religion mm-hmm. in the nation next to him over time mm-hmm. everybody's had that um so i i thought that maybe that was some good i could do was to at least you know mm-hmm. show people like well what you think is just not accurate mm-hmm. and you know you don't need to believe this but here's m- more what it and i i figured maybe it would help coming from you know a corn-fed white bread, sure, Wisconsin Same boy, you know, guy. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then eventually, I did kind of privately to myself, you know, in my room, over my Quran, say the Shahada, you know, my wow. profession of faith. Wow. You know, you're supposed to do that in front of an imam and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. witnesses and stuff. But I didn't 
for about a year, I considered myself a Muslim. Really, I Brandon? Did. That yeah. is fascinating. When I, I met you, I, I would have. That was what I. Wow. I didn't tell a lot of people that, wow. but inside, that's how I, I felt. I have to say right here, I only met Fred and Jolly like five years ago. Oh, really? I love them more than I love most people. I I feel like they're parents to me. They are the most precious people. Amazing people. I'm so sad I didn't know them sooner. Um, well, don't be sad. I mean, they're you, good people. You, yeah. you met them when you did. Yeah, um, yeah they, they contributed in a big way to my Okay, so for about a year, you, you kind of considered yourself a Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Um, mostly just, you know, Did myself. you tell your parents? Yeah. Yeah? I can't remember how that conversation went down. That wasn't very far after 9-11 either, so... Five years. Five years, yeah. They weren't... If they were super pissed about it, they didn't yeah. really express yeah. that. Oh, um, I skipped over one important thing I wanted to touch yeah. on, though. Is like, so while my mom was taking my sister and I to church every week, you know, and, and she was the person reading the Bible to me as a child, I had a little picture Bible and then, you yeah. know, a more grown-up Bible when I got a little older... She was also the person teaching me about science and evolution. Mm. And so I never understood, I never had a problem with having both Reconcile. sets of ideas. Mm. And I never understood why other people had such a problem. Anytime I encountered something that seemed to con contradict a religious belief that I held, I just went, well, this must just be a, a way that human beings have interpreted something that God created. Yeah. I never saw why there needed to be so much fighting. I, ne I never, it never made any sense to me. It still seems goofy. I see now why more people have. So you grew up believing in evolution? And creation. And creation. I just thought that evolution That's was the, way the God did it. physical mechanism. When we look at it on a yeah. human scale, on yeah. a biological, physical, you know, earthly scale, we see it manifested as the process of evolution. Right. That's what I always believed. And we're still evolving. Like, everything yeah. is still evolving. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I never saw that there needed to be one or the other. I, don't, I never understood why. I was, yeah, I was a reconcil <laughs> reconciliationist. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, if such a word exists. It does now. But, um... So you're in your Muslim for Yeah, year. so then we, yeah, fast forward no back problem. to that. So hmm. I, but this was challenging because that religion was a lot more, here's the way it is. Yeah. Not as praying, open. Were you praying five times a day? Not five times, every day though. Okay. More than when I was a Christian. Okay. Um, and did you abstain from like weed and alcohol and? Um, let me think. Well, I was not, I didn't drink or do drugs when I, we might need to edit some stuff out here, but, um. <laughs> When I, I didn't drink or do drugs until almost right where I lost religious belief. Wow. I, that was already when I was starting to go like, okay, I might need to start asking more questions. Mm. And then I started trying other things. I was like waiting for God to strike me down. I went to my mm. first college party and mm -hmm. had my first, I had my first alcoholic drink and my uh -huh. first hit of marijuana the same night, yes. my third semester of college. Yeah. Oh my God. I was almost 20. Good for you. I mean, um, you held out a while. Yeah, I definitely did. Longer than my parents, who, yeah. interestingly, were trying to get me to drink yeah. when I was 18 or 19. And I was like, no, Mom, you know, God doesn't want us to have alcohol. Yeah. And the funny thing about that yeah. is within the last few years, yeah. my mom went and did Ancestry.com and later 23andMe. Yeah. Found out her father wasn't her father. Really? And got to meet her real father for the first time in her life. She never really had a father growing up yeah and now she's met her real oh, father a few beautiful. times and she's got all these sisters and she's got this nice new experience they're muslim they're palestinian uh, palestinian americans oh my god that's, i'm a quarter arab that's beautiful and you had no idea <laughs> yeah so um, maybe a part of you was getting in touch with your roots and you didn't even know it <laughs> yeah that's awesome that gives me goosebumps so i'm lebanese but right, yeah. my, my great-grandfather was muslim but 
I didn't know that about you? Yeah. Lebanese and Norwegian, that's weird. Yeah, I've got weird Swedish. Yeah. So, Irish, German, Palestinian, Swedish. Wow, that's some, great. Some other that's Swiss. what we have in common. Because you don't see that very often, Middle Eastern and the, on the, no. the Nordic things you know what I mean you don't think of that as well that's one of the you know things that's beautiful about America that people are yeah. seemingly not seemingly forgetting yeah. these days just we're connected yeah and yeah. people seem to be more about division I mean obviously with the quarantine yeah that type of physical spatial division is I, mm -hmm. I think it's necessary it, it kind of saddens me that a lot of people don't mm -hmm. see it that way mm -hmm. the same kinds of people who couldn't possibly reconcile science with religion, I think. Mm -hmm. A lot of those folks. It's terrifying. Who are also arming themselves. Yes. You've been in my Facebook lately? It's fun, Brandon. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you, you're, uh, you know, to use a Christian yeah. turn of phrase, you, or not turn of phrase, but you, you have the patience of a saint. Oh. Because, well, actually, you posted something about that not being the, uh, I think that was you that posted that, how it, patient, or, you shouldn't say that saints had patience because I mean, people who perform miracles don't have patience or whatever. Oh, Maybe yeah, that wasn't yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was something I saw online. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, no. A lot of the a lot of the discussions I see taking place on your on your Facebook. I like crazy. kudos to you for putting up with that. I don't know how. Well, it's hard to be inclusive. I don't want to be hypocritical. Right. So I want to be inclusive of people, and I have such a spectrum of beliefs on my political and religious. I kind of want to give space for everybody. But when it gets mean, I sometimes don't know what to do. Sometimes it gets really mean. Yeah. I know. So anyway, but blah, blah, blah. I've tried my hardest. You've been great. I've appreciated your <laughs> input sometimes. It's well, I don't, been fun. I try not to put my opinions out there because, like, uh, the way I think of it is nothing I could say is going to be something new to most of these people who are a lot mm -hmm. older than me and have probably heard it all before. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to change anyone's beliefs anyway, but I guess mm -hmm. if I see somebody spreading misinformation, I'm more likely to try to... Mm -hmm. If something's just false, yeah, that is one of the... If I had to champion a cause in life, I would say mm -hmm. the spread of misinformation is one of the most dangerous things because communication is the most important thing mm -hmm. to the human experience, I think, mm -hmm. because we're able to communicate in such complex ways that as far as we know, no other life form is able to do. That's beautiful, and that's what makes us mm -hmm. special. And then we're capable of so much more than what we're doing. I mean, we've achieved a lot, mm -hmm. but we could be doing so much more. Mm -hmm. And when people spread misinformation, you're poisoning that most beautiful, most important thing that we have. Mm -hmm. My oldest son, who is an atheist, says, Mom, I want to believe the truest things. I want to believe what's true. That's my life's mission, and it's like, Gosh, but honey, there's so many things we can't prove, though. You know what I mean? It's so many things are perception. So then, are they not true, Brandon? I mean, yeah. You're holding back. I can see you're like, well, how do I... If we want to, you know, circle back to philosophy, uh, if, if you really want me to give my... I mean, you didn't ask for my opinion, but um, if you'll allow me, me to give it... Absolutely. I don't really think that there's a lot we can... <laughs> I, don't, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I don't operate on because, mm -hmm. you know, again, on this you know, earthly human scale, you, yeah. you, you can't because you have to conduct your daily business. You have yeah. to be able to get out of bed and yeah. wash your face and look at yourself in the mirror and, and live your life. But if I really want to go down the rabbit hole, I don't really know anything for sure other than that I exist and that math is correct. Those are the only two things. <laughs> well, that's what Schmidt taught us. And, uh, yeah. Those are the only two things yeah. that you can really know. Yeah. Anything else requires some amount of faith. You could say, well, I don't have faith because I have evidence. 
you know, right here. And I say, well, how do you know that your sensory perceptions are even real? Yeah. You could be in a simulation. My hand to hand, I think we're getting to that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to think that that was all very interesting mm-hmm. to think about, but you know, just kind of goofy, the idea that we, maybe you're a brain in a vat, or maybe you're in the dream of an evil demon somewhere, and you're not even real. Um, I used to just kind of laugh that off and go, you know, it's a neat philosophical thought experiment, but, you know, I've got bills to pay and a job to do and all that, but the more I think about it and just the, the more the, the different turns that the world seems to be taking, the more I'm starting to consider the possibility of what they call simulation theory, mm. <laughs> which is what, you know... Elon Musk has talked about that. Yeah. I, I don't know how you feel yeah. about him. Um, I don't. Is he an atheist? I think so. Yeah. Or agnostic. Agnostic. One or the two. I wouldn't be surprised if he was agnostic, actually. One thing I have gained from the atheists in my life, when my, when my son came out to me as an atheist, um, I have to laugh because now I, I didn't laugh then, but I think it would be easier for my children to come out as gay than atheist <laughs> yeah. in my family. Oh, yeah, knowing you and how your family works, right. you just supported I was raised <laughs> in such a, you know, evangelical Beth, and then I raised my kids, you know, we didn't watch the He-Man, we didn't, you know, I was this, no secular music, you know, and I know, it's like I I was definitely in a bubble, and they tease me about it now, you know, Mom, why couldn't we watch a Care Bears? Like, I was like, there's new age symbols on their belly. Well, it was the moon and the stars. I mean, God made those, Mom, you know. Yeah. But I thought I was doing what was best. But, and I was always banking for eternity, you know, like, uh, and now I think interacting with, I now appreciate that my children are critical thinkers and think for themselves. I appreciate, and my faith is no longer in them. I think all those, those years I had my faith in my kids or my pastor. I don't think I really believed in a big God. I think I was thought, I believed in people's ability to hear from God or now I'm saying, how am I say this? My faith now that I have is in God. If God is real, which I still believe he probably is, okay? You, you question more than most people. I do, do, but if God is real, then he can show you, Brandon, today, in a way that I don't I don't know you. I don't know every, you know, memory you have that would trigger something. You know, there's a special way God could show you that he's real. And my faith is in if he's real, he, he has to show my kids. It's not my job. And they're good people they love each other they love me they want to make a difference in the world but one message I've gotten from my atheist friends from me and my children um, is that what matters is now and I think as a Christian I had an unhealthy balance that what mattered was eternity and if you really look at the teachings of Jesus even Jesus's message was about the kingdom of God is here and now don't worry about this. It's now. Have you ever read the book, The Power of Now? No. Uh, well, you might yeah. get something from it. But I did hear an acronym once of WIN. How you win in life is what's important now. And it's like, I, being interacting with atheists, their focus is now because they think this is all they have, right? So if this is all I have, I'm well, going to make the best life. Most human beings, regardless of their belief system, often most of the time fail to live in the now that is so true but you're right sorry no and you're right and truthfully we would live like buddhists all of us whether we're believers or not as far as being in the present you know acknowledging the stillness being self-aware and it's like people have said oh kathy you question so much you kind of said oh you're oh you question more than most people i've become more self-aware since contemplating all these things and i think it's served me well because 
during COVID, I'm, I'm older, I'm a cancer survivor. It shocks me how quick people are dying. Isn't that just freak you out? Like somebody went in the hospital today with symptoms, they're dead tomorrow. So it's like, that could happen to me, okay? So if so, what did my life matter here? I want to make sure you, Brandon, know that I love you. I really I love do. You too. I mean that with I've all my heart. I've always considered you one of my second moms. I, I hope it doesn't hurt your heart oh to hear that God. that's I'm so that you're one of. But there no, are many, no. not, I shouldn't say many, but a few important women Absolutely. who have placed no. themselves in my life as my second mom. So yeah. I have to honor all of them. That's why I want, I want that. And I don't, I don't know, is that narcissistic? Like, no. I want to have made an Everybody impact. wants to make an impact. Everybody wants to matter yeah. because we, otherwise, why? Why are we here, oh. right? And well, it's Regardless like, of what you believe comes after, yeah. you can matter here. And, you know, you said, you know, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm screwed. <laughs> okay, I, I hope that wouldn't be true. Like, I don't think it would be, which is why I'm so comfortable not believing, because I think if there was a God... He, he would want me to live in the way that I'm living because the authentic. way that I'm living, yeah, I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can to live authentically yeah. according to what I feel is right for me, yeah. provided it doesn't infringe upon the rights of anyone else. Right. I think that regardless, I think that, you know, a lot of my friends who are atheists don't feel this way. Yeah. I think that there is a place for religion in the world moving forward. Yeah. Provided everybody treats everybody else well. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's all it should matter. And I think, like, if I... Let's say we were enemies in some weird world. When I met you, I didn't think I was going to like you. Really? I didn't think I was ever going to get to know you or talk to you. I just thought... The crazy, Man, she needs to talkative. stop talking so I can oh learn. God. I was a kid. No, Brandon. You know? No. I was a child. You were so fucking right. Listen, no, you, no, I wasn't. I was a 42-year-old non-traditional student who couldn't shut up, thought she knew everything. But look what it got you. In a philosophy class. Look what it got you, though. You opened your mind, your life was transformed, you learned so much, you met so many interesting people. Do you regret it? Do you regret how you spent your time in that class? Do you? I don't think you do. It was a part of the process. So, don't hate it. Right? It's embarrassing. If I look back at who I was then, yeah. at that point in time, do you think I wanna... <laughs> do you think I wanna sit and pick through everything I was and everything yeah. I said and did yeah. back then? Spoiler alert, I don't. <laughs> I guess I guess it's hard for me to hear that. I know that's true, but because I think I'm it, sorry if I hurt no, your feelings, no, you didn't but hurt I hope you feelings. know how I feel now. It's real. I know you love me, but I, I am do. a professor now, and I have sometimes non-traditional ladies in my class who think like I thought. I have all this life experience I have to share with everybody because that's what everybody needs to hear. You can't just answer a simple question. They raise their hand and it goes into this long wormhole. That was me, Brandon. But you know, and I'm so okay, sorry. Wait, no, oh hang my on. God. I, you shouldn't even apologize, and it's I kind of regret how I worded no, what no, I said. No, no, no. no, let me, let me, if I'm, because okay, I'm yeah, from digging please. deep and being genuine. Okay. I want you to know that maybe there was a part of it, but what I said earlier in this conversation, I mean, I can look back and see what was happening there, yeah. you know? Which meant that even yeah. then I could realize that there was engagement in the material, there yeah. was a discussion taking place. There yeah. was always a part of me that respected that about you. Um, I think as a, you know, 19-year-old yeah. piece of shit metalhead, <laughs> I had to kind of be like, what's this lady's deal? Like, yeah. why can't she just sit down, you know? Yeah. But, you know, that wasn't yeah. everything. That, was, that wasn't the only box that I was in, yeah. you know what I mean? Thank you. There honey. was more complexity there. That's big. But and I'm I, not just trying to backpedal to no, make you feel I know. better. I know. I, want you to, I know. I hope you appreciate that I'm I more do. complex than that. I, I, I've always <laughs> If I'm going to toot my own horn. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hi, darling. <laughs> 
Um, no, you that's, can't go that's anywhere. true. But I do have like it is karma though. Every time I think it's karma when I have a woman in my class like me, you know, fourteen years ago. Oh, but how do you deal with that? that I don't how do you deal with that? her. I go. This is what I do. I say thank you so much for sharing that. It's really helpful. But I need someone else to share. <laughs> but do you circle back I, after I, class? Do you make time for that? I do. Person? I make time for her, and I and I I'm her biggest cheerleader because to go to school when you're 42 and learn fucking algebra all over again is you need a trophy. I would never do it. And I didn't stop, Brandon. I started at 42 at Iraq. Mm-hmm. I went to Whitewater. Now you're teaching. Graduated as my bachelor's. I'm 48, and I thought I'm going to be competing with people your age this job like as a patient advocate or whatever I was going to do I didn't know and I thought I better go for my masters so I didn't stop for eight years I went from 42 to 50 and I just taught as to get extra money because I was going through divorce and um, not thinking I'd fall in love with students and I fell in love completely with my I taught as an assistant Mm -hmm. and I um, I thought this I want this to be my life and I got hired three weeks out after graduating and um, I never thought I'd be a professor and I never knew what I would be. Isn't it weird how you, yeah. you, you enter? That's what I love about education is that it allows you... There's so many things it does. But one of the things is you, you come out of there with something. And even if it's not what you went in with, yeah. you get you find a, a place. Yeah. I think a liberal arts education gets so just so trash lately, you know? Yeah. But it does open up your mind to possibilities. And I think that's all it takes sometimes is to believe a possibility that you could have a different future. Because if you don't believe that or even see something different, I would have never, if you would have said to me when in that intro class, you could be a professor someday. Remember Dr. Jones? Yeah, I love Jones. Oh, my God. I saw him at Woodman's a few months ago. Well, I love Jones, too. But I took economics and I dropped that. Because after three weeks, I could not give no shits about the marginal utility of bananas. But his teaching style, right? Oh, now, yeah. This man, we have to save our podcast, has gotten awards. He's an African man. Is he from Ghana? He is from Ghana, yep. And he teaches like, right? Professor Jones. Right, yes. (laughs) And then he goes into his other character. But why, Professor Jones? Why? Because you must learn. And he says things like, I love econ, right? That's Teach me econ, Professor Jones. I need to tell you this. Yes. So you, I said earlier that I used to sleep a lot. Yeah. And and it was a, you know, it was a problem. You can't sleep in his class. No, that was one of the only classes at that school that I never. I mean, I would sit there, you know, like yeah. losing consciousness, but yeah. every five seconds he would say something that would yeah. snap me back to it. And it, and yeah. it wasn't just the noise; it was he, he was engaging. I wanted to listen. He was amazing. So I was fighting through this like physiological yeah. imbalance or whatever the hell. I, I have a yeah. much easier time with energy now. Yeah. Um, well, I imagine it's, if you had anxiety issues, I would think it would be an anxiety rhythm. Well, but when you also have a lot of depression, it's, yeah. easy, it's harder to yeah. stay awake. So, um. Well, you know, what's funny about him is, so he would yell a lot, and I, I finally, you know, his big thing was, I love Econ, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, when I dropped his class, I was like, Professor Rollins, I love you, but I don't love Econ. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I will help you, you know? <laughs> I will, please, he begged me not to drop his oh, class. Man. So I dropped his class. We, pleasant, high in the hallway. Eight years later, I'm back at Iraq. I'm a colleague. Wow. And he saw me. Yeah, I see him all the time. And so last semester, I've been there the last four semesters, but two semesters ago, he was like, Kathy? (laughs) And he's like, and my office was, I was telling my husband how he taught. And he was like, I don't believe somebody would teach like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. And my (laughs) office was next to his room. And through the cement wall, you could hear him going. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah. So I recorded it. And I said, you will not believe this guy. So he came to me and he goes, Europe. You, you, what are you doing here? You're taking class, and I said, "No, professor, I'm a, I'm a professor." And he was like, 
He was so cute. He did not hide his like what? Yeah. He had a WTF look on his face. <laughs> and he's like, I I never pegged you for and I said I didn't get offended. But then this semester I've been engaging him and he'll walk by my class and go, Hi Professor Jones. So now he walks in there and he goes, Hi Kathy and my students love him. Yeah. They just think he's great. But I don't know anyone who's yeah. He's who, precious. How do you not? He what did he do this in your which is an intro to econ? Yeah. Did he do this where he, he's trying to toward the beginning trying to explain here's the value of a dollar yeah if you see a dollar you're not gonna just leave it you know even the rich person is gonna pick up a dollar and then he'll put a dollar bill out in the hallway and then just tell everybody like before yeah. other classes are yeah, getting yeah, out yeah, yeah. and then he says alright now watch and then we're all supposed to watch because he, he put it right by the window that's yeah, next to the door yeah, so we yeah. can see somebody stoop to get it and huh. a couple minutes go by nobody's touched it people in the class are starting to snicker Finally, and this is such a Professor Jones move. If you're not in the class, this yeah. is something that would totally happen. Yeah. He opens the door and yells into the hallway, What is wrong with you people? <laughs> and nobody out there knew what he was talking about, but we all, we just busted out laughing because, he, you know, it didn't, he didn't let it ruin his lesson plan for no, the day. No, no. Because, you know, it's not that, you know, yeah. the dollar isn't valuable. It's that there's something wrong with all of you. I don't know. Like I remember him yelling so much, and one time somebody came another professor came in the class hall and shut his door Ooh. and he waited until they were done and he went and opened the door and he said <laughs> I will keep my door open yeah. <laughs> I was like oh my god he will not be silent but he is a beautiful beautiful man and I appreciate him yeah yeah I appreciate my him. best memories are with my UROC professors um Bybee, yeah, we could go on. Oh, yeah. I went on vacation. I kind of had a class with Bybee. I went to once. I went to Vegas with Bybee. It was fun. Wow. Yeah, and um, Vegas is an interesting. It time. was just a beautiful, Hashtag beautiful. Never ex- again. <laughs> it was a beautiful experience going to Iraq. I, I loved it. Oh, it changed my life. That was a weird period of time. The first few years where I was I was there, yeah. I had from '06 to you know '09. You know, yeah, took me a, several years to get that two-year degree, but yeah. I made so many friends, and that was the only time in my life where I had like 30 plus friends that were yeah. actual friends that I yeah. could text or call to yeah. go hang out with. Yeah. Like, not just nominally, like, or were Facebook friends or whatever, but like people who I saw regularly and connected with and hung out with and did activities with. I've never had that before. There was a real sense of community there. In the, it's pit. Not, in the pit. I was, I was gonna say, kids. were you a pit guy? They, they, yeah. I love how, like, symbolically, yeah. poetically, they yeah. separated. They, like, yeah. like, I hate that they did it, yeah. but I love the, like, um, like Caesarian, yeah. like ancient Roman way that they they <laughs> separate like out separated the, the Roman. Yeah, or, yeah. Oh no, no, no! I guess that would be more like what the Akkadians did to the ancient Hebrews. Yeah, separated uh, into, into four different, yeah. you know, yeah, twelve different tribes. Yeah, and so the pit kids had a look about them, a lot of goth. Uh, the goth-ish. later pit kids, to be fair, the late, honestly, when when Brianna was in that, yeah, crowd, the the. It, no, she wasn't this way, but a lot of those people were loud and disrespectful yeah. and dirty, yeah. and it, beca- it kind of... I see why they put yeah. a kibosh to it, but man, it was painful because that was... I started to grow up in that room. Yeah. I spent more time, just solid... If you add up all the time I've spent in my life in different mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. I probably spent more hours of my life sitting in that room than pretty much anywhere other than like the house I grew up. Like, yeah, I often didn't go to class. Yeah. I slept a lot. I smoked a lot of weed. Yeah. Um, but I, the things that I learned socially and the yeah. things that I learned about myself you were... You became comfortable with who you are, too. A lot more so than yeah. I was prior. There was so much that I learned. I guess I wouldn't change it. I sat for a while and regretted how much money my parents spent for me to go there and then later for me to continue spending. Yeah. Um, and then, like, and I was just, I was a terrible student. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't care at all. 
but the things that I learned that were not part of the material I think were some of the most valuable things that I've ever learned and I wouldn't I guess yeah. I wouldn't change any of yeah. it no. I know it's a stereotypical thing to say but you can't you know in a way that's a value of a, an education I, I have a class over there right now and I have a young girl who is a high school girl who's taking a college class and she's in a very conservative home okay. and she's not conservative and she's a little Bernie girl right <laughs> and the only way place she can express herself is in class and she says only here on this campus can I say what I really feel with people that I really and if that's the only reason she is in a school it's kind of beautiful mm -hmm. you know what I mean and so I've been reading her papers like try not to cry and go grab her and adopt her because it's like heartbreaking that the lack of critical thinking skills that she's allowed to engage in. Now I say that, being that mother that didn't let my kids listen watch He-Man, you know, I, wow, I can't believe that, you know, but again, would I regret those years? No, my, my children went. They said, Mom, we love the way you were raised. You and Dad did the best you could with the light you had, right? But as that changes and you grow and evolve, I don't know, it's interesting, but I don't think I started growing as a person until I went to college. Yeah, oh no, I would say that I didn't either. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't even really think, I mean, I had a lot of important experiences during those first few years, but I think it wasn't until summer of 09, it was like mm -hmm. just about 11 years ago almost, when I really started to, that's when I considered, like, my life kind of began. Yeah. Because that was when I first started going back to, what does this all mean and uh, how can I, because after I lost religion for a few years, I didn't really have anything and I just kind of slid into a the kind of situation that a lot of people would turn to religion to get out of. Mm -hmm. But I, mm -hmm. I had just come from a, a life of you know, been there, done that. Twenty years of yeah. religion, yeah. and I didn't see. I didn't. It just. I didn't. Mm -hmm. That wasn't an option for me at that point. Um, Do you see it as being as weak um, for people believing in a god when they don't have evidence? Like, be honest with me, like. Sometimes I feel like my boys are like, or that my atheist friend on that podcast, Kebby, let go. Jesus is those floaties. You can swim now. You know, give it up, man. Uh, and it's hard for me. And I don't know what's the frame of reference that I had that I can't let go of that because it's given meaning to my whole world. But do you see that as weak? I don't. Um, it depends, though. It could be um, depending on how one approaches. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a friend who will remain nameless because, uh, sure. you know, this is a small town. Sure. <laughs> I've already said enough. Yeah. But um, I was actually thinking about him on the way down here, just in coincidentally. Or if you really want to dig deep into the way I think, I was thinking about it on the way down here because I'm saying it now. Mm. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, mm. Quantum physics and all that. Don't, wow. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't pull my brain. We'll, we can go into that later if you yeah, have time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's the tinfoil hat stuff. That, that's where I lose most of my academic friends. But um, huh. so he would had struggles with depression when we were growing up too he hit it better than I did I always wore everything on my sleeve with, to the chagrin of everybody's around me but he had a different strategy we could always tell when he was not doing well because he would be saying things about God and he'd, he'd be more religious mm -hmm. and then we'd know we'd be like hey how you doing are you you're not doing so well mm -hmm. we can tell because you know you just mm -hmm. quoted Jesus so mm -hmm. that for him I think it was I, hate, I don't want to use the word weakness, but um, like a lifeline or something. Yeah, it was a it was a coping mechanism. It was a, uh, a mm -hmm. defense mechanism, a strategy for mm -hmm. reducing his suffering, and that's what it is for a lot of people. 
But I think that when the fact that it was very telling for us as his close friends that whenever he was doing well, he didn't have a need for religion. He didn't talk about God. Didn't mm-hmm. you know? If he was thinking about it, he didn't talk about it. But then when he was mm-hmm. more depressed, then he would become religious mm-hmm. until he got better. Mm-hmm. And I think that is then kind of a mm-hmm. not a genuine approach to religion. But it is in the sense that that was what he needed to help him get through yeah. that. So I don't think I could ever. I mean. I mean, if somebody genuinely help. believes in something, yeah. I would have a hard time using a word like weakness, yeah. I think. Because it does help people make sense of the world. I mean, oh, yeah. all civilizations have had some kind of, right? Am I wrong? Have had no, some kind of belief system? As far as I know, before a way they what make we call sense. civilization even existed, we already had religious thinking. Right. Because yeah. people, human beings, need to understand yeah. things. And we where don't. they are in, in light of other things and the big picture. And yeah, I guess for, I mean... Uh, so I studied psychology and yeah. I take the evolutionary perspective yeah. and that's kind of the lens through which I interpret most things. Um, so I try, whenever I think of something, I wonder why, why is it that way? Why do human be- beings behave this way? I always try to think what advantage would that have given them early on before we had the written word and permanent structures and our agriculture and stuff. I guess that's where my brain always goes. So I think that for those people, if, if that is, you know, a useful way to look at psychology, for people living way back then, having an understanding of our place in the grand scheme of things, for them, would have had a practical purpose in the sense that it would have helped them keep safe in a world filled with predators and rival human tribes and natural disasters. And think about stuff like that. Think about stuff like disease and natural disasters. How are you going to explain that? Like suddenly you've lost your entire village. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're the one survivor. Maybe there was a hurricane and everybody's house was knocked down but yours and everybody you ever knew was dead and you have to move because everything's wrecked and you have to find another place to live but you're forced to go on with this quest. That would be so surreal. Imagine have, imagine if yeah. you suddenly, like, whole world was fine but Janesville got, or, or Beloit, you know, got nuked and then, but you somehow were there. You would be forced to think that that was pretty weird. Yeah, right. right. I don't, I'm, those, we're getting really specific, but yeah. Things like that would have led to a how can I keep myself safe in the future? I need to wrap my head around this and without the tools that we have now, you know, you would you would reach for whatever Absolutely. you you yeah. had and Yeah. Um I guess that's that, a very mm-hmm. I don't know, that's a very human I thing, really. Jordan religion Peterson, is. are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? These names it's a few of the names that you've said of uh, I've they they, I they bet come you up would. on the Joe Rogan yeah. Oh, yeah. channel yeah, on you YouTube, would, but I don't Jordan, click on them. Jordan Readers Peterson is huge. I don't know a lot about him, but I know a lot of the younger people that like they consume every second of what he says. But really? he he believes that religion can be good for structure for a society, yeah. like and provide some form of frame of reference. And I'm loosely interpreting what he says, but um, he doesn't agree that it's all bad. That um, there's been some really positive oh, yeah, things definitely. that have come I out think of it. I'll be one of those people who says. I yeah. think there have been a lot of positive things also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one of those things, if I could interject. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that frustrates me as somebody who doesn't have religion is um, that statistically a human being will live, or, or on average, the, the, an average human being will live, what do they say, four to ten years longer if they are a part of a regular, like, faith-based service with other people really four times a month or whatever so basically every week and I I, I wonder why that is now that's a correlation causation thing Mm. for sure Um, I think if I had to guess 
community? Well, there's some, we know that there's something about us that needs community. It needs, mm-hmm. We're social animals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's often the case that when somebody retires and lives alone, mm-hmm. they don't do so well. Mm-hmm. You know, and things deteriorate quickly. Or if you got married, quickly. you don't live as long. Yeah, which is, you know, so having another person there, we mm-hmm. are meant to be... I struggle with this because I'm incredibly introverted and I love mm-hmm. spending most of my time alone. This has been this this, this period of time <laughs> has been pretty good to me. It has gotten to be mm-hmm. a little bit too much. I do kind of drive myself insane a little bit, but honestly, it's I'd rather have this than normal workday. Mm-hmm. The only things that I would change would be the fear and suspicion that everybody has. I hate going to the grocery store and seeing everybody looking, darting around their yeah. eyes back and forth, looking at everybody. I, I'm worried that we're going to carry that standoffishness forward. I'm really hoping we don't end up more detached from one another because of this. Mm-hmm because we need to be together. It's healthy for us, physically and psychologically. And, and the more I... Li- I hate not hugging people. Oh, I know. Oh, I you're a hugger. People. Yeah. I am a hugger. Even my students, I try not to hug my students first. You know, I try to let them hug me. Yeah. And they do a lot. And um, it's terrible. I'm not your normal professor, Brandon. No. I, it slips out of my br- mouth sometimes. Okay, guys, have a great week. Be safe on the weekend. I love you. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this, this is this is this is a totally different subject, and yeah. I don't want to get too yeah. far into this because people in this community already hate me enough as it is. But oh my God. if you were a man, you would be in so much trouble. Oh Do you God. realize that? I totally <laughs> can I say right here on the record. <laughs> I totally appreciate. I'm not even going to say I don't lie and love it. I see my female privilege. No. I get it. If I'm I was not, a man I and, I, gonna, and I said, honey, or I love you, you are so right. So I do try to be more professional. Can I, I say will that? never sit here and say that I think the life of a woman is in any way easier on average than the life of a man. I will never, you will never hear me say that. But? There are some specific little ways in which women can do some things that men can't do. That's all I'm saying. And, and this is why you would people love my hate firstborn. me. You would love my firstborn. You guys would get along. No, so other much. people that are like me tend to piss me off, and I think it's because I see myself reflected in them, and I, I'm disgusted because I realize that I'm that way. I. But he makes that <laughs> point a lot that mom, in some ways, you you have it so much better. No, well, you, you know. all right, it's complicated because I'm not like I'm not a huge I'm not one of those like men's rights people. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not at all. Like yeah. Jesus Christ. I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, but you're right. I have a privilege being able to just be a nurturing person, even with physical contact. Uh, well, especially with physical on, contact. Especially with physical contact, yeah. But, but the, only, the only reason that I'm so quick to point that out is because I'm also quick to point out my own privilege. And I'm not yeah. going to ever deny that yeah. I have. I think about it constantly, especially now. The fact that I'm able to be over here and go like, oh, this this has been really good to me, this quarantine. Yeah, because I'm yeah. fortunate enough that I have, I'm still getting a paycheck in addition to that mm-hmm. stimulus money, which, you know, I've had to sit and kind of justify to myself like do I deserve this should I take it I don't have a savings maybe I should take it mm-hmm. I mean I have enough food in the house I have everything I need mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm like experiencing less stress overall now because I I'm kind of living at my own pace mm-hmm. um, most people aren't having that experience and I'm well aware of that and I'm well aware that I I started out mm-hmm. with a head start in life and I appreciate that you recognize that because a lot uh, of people don't. I'm not. I'm never going to be a privilege denier, but at the same time, I want everybody mm-hmm. to get on the same page and, and be honest. When there are some things, have. there yeah. are some things, there are some little ways. No. I'm never going to say. I'm never going to say women have it easy. I, I, I no. do not believe that's true. But I deserve it's, being checked for that because. No, 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 no. I, this I is, get I, it. I, I'm. I'm on the wrong side of history with that. I feel like mm-hmm. I say things like that. People don't want to hear me talk anymore. But no, I totally want to hear. I do get it. You are so right, and I. Or when I'm the when, when when the whole um, Iran 
conflict happened earlier this year. I had a joke that I put on Facebook that pissed a lot of people. I, I, I oh, lost. A, I had one friend. I don't know who it was, but I saw my friend count lower by one. Well, I, you, it was interesting to hear you use the term female privilege because I've only ever used that jokingly. Um, and it was the, the joke was if you aren't afraid right now that you're going to be drafted to go fight in in World War Three, that's called female privilege. <laughs> um, which. You know, I don't. Obviously, we're not in World War Three yet, mm-hmm. thankfully. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. There probably wouldn't be a draft anyway. I guess if it was a World War, we probably would. There yeah. would be a draft, but it was a joke, and it was it pissed a lot of people off. But inside, I was like, that's why I told it. Yeah. <laughs> because right. I wanted. I guess growing up, a lot of times, part of the reason why I'm so loud, and annoying, is because I have I want attention, and I don't think enough people admit that when they're that way. Or do you enjoy debate? Be honest. I do. I do. Yeah. Oh, even, you know, here's the funny thing. The vast majority of my debating with Christians yeah. that I did was when I was younger and a Christian. Yeah. And I just didn't tell them and just yeah. fought just yeah. to see what they, because most, yeah. most of the people that I would debate with when I was younger yeah. didn't know what the Bible said about specific yeah. things. And I, I'm like, well, you know, here's what the Bible said. So where, you know, I, so I had this interesting, I, I, I was kind of villainous in the sense that I had this interesting vantage point where I, well, you at the time, was a Christian. You fought within their narrative, but too, I just, using their own book. Well, it was silly to me book. that somebody's going to be so, I would never start these fights, yeah. but I would say something somebody would have a problem with, and I'd be like, all right, let's go. Yeah, but then yeah, it was yeah. silly to me that they didn't read the Bible. Yeah. How are you going to sit here and debate? Yeah. Jesus yeah. literally said the thing I'm saying right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, my, my oldest is like that. He enjoys debate. It's invigorating for him, and he doesn't want to get offended. He's like, I'm not... I'm not offended. Why are you offended? You know? Josiah's around. It's Josiah. Do you have other family around? Nope, just Josiah. And um, he, I, there's something you learn, I learned about in my communication class, the argumentative scale, that you can, there's a scale you can take, a personality scale, where, and I know my son would rate high in the argumentative. It's not a bad thing. It's not a mean thing. No, it's, it's just, just he enjoys it. It's, it's invigorating for him he, to yeah. engage on that level. And when he finds somebody that he doesn't agree with, he loves it. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> and sometimes like, but it's, I'm, it takes a healthy, Yeah. you have to have a healthy self-esteem and not take things personally. Oh man. And a lot of people take it very personally. It's, it, it's almost, because of how common it is for that yeah. mentality, it's so weird when you encounter somebody who wants to argue but is yeah. also open-minded. Yeah, yeah. And, if you're both yeah. argumentative enough but open-minded enough, you can really get really far in the yeah. argument. Yeah. If you have somebody who's argumentative but not open-minded, you can only go so far. Yeah. And if you have somebody who's open-minded and not argumentative, you can't yeah. really go anywhere. Um, That's so what I find. <laughs> the whole, the whole um, thinking about faith and religion, I find that being open-minded, I can't believe that I believe in a God that would not want me to use my brain. No. Okay? And people tell me this quote, a lot of Christians... Kathy, you're so open-minded, your brains have fallen out. Like, don't be so open-minded because now look where you are. You're like a doubter and like, look at this progression. And it's like, but is God gonna, he gave me a brain, right? So aren't I supposed to use it? And is he gonna hold that against me? I don't believe he would hold my son's brain against him and say, no, I reject you because you thought long and hard about this and rejected it. Yeah. Not if it made sense to you. I think if you, one thing I would say is I think if you have doubt and your doubt is causing you pain, then your work should be mm-hmm. to find a way to reduce your doubt, whatever way that might be. Mm-hmm. But I can't say my doubt has caused me pain. Then, good. As long as you're not hurting yourself. It makes me feel, sometimes it makes me feel, um, 
like, oh shit, oh no. You know, a little afraid. Yeah, well, a little afraid is natural. I mean, that's part of the human yeah. experience, it seems like. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, the older I get, Brandon, the more I do not know. Yeah, that's what wisdom is. And I'm cool with that. Like, I'm totally cool with not knowing if there's anything when I die. That's agnosticism. Yeah, so I probably am an agnostic. Well, but if you have faith, though, and mm. that's the difference, I guess, is having faith in something for which you have mm-hmm. no or very little evidence, mm-hmm. empirical evidence, scientific, mm-hmm. you know, sensory. Mm-hmm. You know, people will say, well, we believe, we know that they wouldn't exist even though you can't see it. Well, yes, but it's, we, there's thermodynamics and you can measure their, this is matter. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it can be studied. It, you know, I, I haven't personally, mm-hmm. this is where when you're, there's a certain type of arguer who as soon as you admit to any amount of um, uncertainty, mm-hmm. that's their hole that they jump into and widen. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yes, I've only read it in books that air exists, and, and maybe I'm being misled, but I doubt it. What is your major? Psychology. And you are... Um, and a philosophy minor. You have a you have bachelor's in psychology with philosophy minor. Yep. So yep. people say, what are you going to do with that, Brandon? The answer is something unrelated, but pays the bills. Yeah. And actually having the degree has helped you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten into my job if I had not gone mm-hmm. to Whitewater. Mm-hmm. And everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's really weird. I guess everybody or, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but people who are this self-reflective realize this at one point in their lives or, or another. Isn't it weird how things turned out? Not at all the way I intended, but man, I'm still alive and still paying my bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never thought. Growing up, I always thought, this is what I've got to do, and I'm fucked if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. No. But that's how I felt. I was right. scared right. shitless growing up. Like, there's this one path to find this, this little And I beat myself up about it until yeah. just within the last year or two. Yeah. That I didn't achieve. That I didn't make it. That I didn't do what I set out to do. That I spent years working toward it and kind of failed. Mm-hmm. But ended up failing in a fairly lucrative way. Right. In a different direction. Yeah. And I'm yeah. helping people. Like, yeah. I guess that doesn't make me feel as fulfilled as it should. Everybody that I they say, who, what do you do for a living? I tell them, you know, I help mm-hmm. students with disabilities get their education. I provide materials. Before. They go, oh, God, that's so great. I just sit at a computer listening to Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. typing crap. Mm-hmm. on changing what a thing mm-hmm. looks like so that somebody with a learning disability can access it. Maybe that sounds great, but, man, I'm just, I'm getting paid. I'm not doing it out of the kindness of my heart, you know. We are so connected <laughs> on so many levels. I utilized you more than you realized it when I had, I... I get, I swear I get almost all the students with disabilities. Like one class, I had 10 in two classes, you know, with all the special contracts and the special mm-hmm, mm-hmm. testing and the, um, it's been really interesting. Yeah, Whitewater's been good at that, but it's such a need, yeah. Yeah, well isn't it funny I know, to I always thought I was gonna work in a hospital. I never thought I would, oh, you know, wow. and, um, Are you glad that you're not? Oh, so glad. Now? And I thought my master's was a training to how to deliver train doctors and how to deliver, tell people they're going to die. Oh, wow. And I spent three years studying that, and I'm so glad that's not my life, because it's depressing. Yeah. I could do it. I mean, I love having females. I believe you could. Yeah. But it's so great engaging life and young people with possibilities and futures instead of just dealing with people that are dying. I'm really good at dealing with people who are dying. I, I love doing funerals more than weddings, um, because funerals, first of all, we're all going to die. I would be honored to be the person to do your funeral because I think our funerals should be about us, like what our life consisted of, what we wanted to leave, yeah. not like this. Oh. I hate going to those funerals where it's like, um, 
if you die today, this person died, we think they might be in heaven. Have you ever been to one of those funerals where the pastor tries to scare everybody? Oh, I guess not. Oh, thank God. Good for you. But a lot of people end up... I just feel like your funeral should be about you and your legacy and what you left and your little thumbprint should yeah. be magnified. And um, So I'm always happy when I get a call and say, Heather, you do this funeral because I can meet with the family and say, what was most important about this person and, and bring it alive for hearts that are open and hurting versus I do a wedding and I do weddings really well. I do them unique, but <laughs> everybody's just waiting for you to shut up so they can go get drunk, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a person who connects. So when you have 200 broken hearts, that you could actually maybe give something that will heal them a little that day. Yeah. It's more challenging and a, a more rewarding thing than, okay, is she done now? We can go get trashed. You know what I mean? So. Well, and to be fair, I think at some funerals, they're already drinking because. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're yeah. not serving drinks, they certainly have something yeah. in their coat pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not some funerals. Mm-hmm. Many. I. <laughs> I uh, I went to a funeral with my ex-girlfriend when we were together yeah. uh, up north at a bar. Yeah. For her great uncle. Yeah. Everybody was, you know, yeah. drinking beer. Half in the bag already. It's kind doing of doing shots. Oh, I had that church at a bar for eight years. Oh yeah. Willowdale Saloon. I man. went there once Did to you sing really? karaoke. You were there. You were. Yeah. My, you, you were, okay. You. Oh yeah. You wanted me to sing. Uh, my generation, I think. Or something by the Who, but I didn't. I sang oh, "Love okay. Her Madly" by the Doors. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I do remember that now. That was a memory. Let me dance around, swinging yeah. around. I, too bad I didn't have my hair. I had just cut it. Yeah. Well, I guess it would have been about a year. Oh, but I remember some of our most spiritual moments were drunk moments, or like we had Cranwell Communion, you know, where <laughs> Darren Wilson would buy all these shots, and we would spiritually just bond and talk about what we needed to give to Jesus that week and some of it was heart-wrenching yeah. and I remember one woman just sobbing and saying I fucking hated my life this week and that was her words and we all kind of put that on Jesus you right it's part of him part Take of the his wheel. and it was this beautiful moment with crown royal communion I mean how sacrilegious was that mm-hmm. but it was really beautiful you I know? but what what's sacrilegious about it it wasn't mainstream I guess because well at what point in the gospel did jesus say that we shouldn't consume alcohol he never did in fact yeah. he made wine the best wine for drunk people yeah i i kind of yeah. always wondered about that yeah. like do they just ignore that yeah you know you know with islam at least they were clear you yeah. know it says in the book don't drink that is the beauty <laughs> of islam you know i used to wonder what is the appeal of islam and then i did some studying my own like in the prison system mm. oh yeah a lot of it is there. the number one religion in the prison system <clears throat> what do you structure yes structure and solid rules yes. because in Christianity There's you can so go to some church gray. if you speak in tongues you're full of the devil another church if you don't speak in tongues you're not a Christian right. you know there's all this this and that 30,000 different denominations now, yeah, there are different Islam, sects of Islam and they have their yeah. own disagreements but on the basics it's consistent. all of them are pretty damn similar yep. compared to other especially compared yep. to Christianity yep. and yes they're all incredibly structured and incredibly yeah. direct about here's yeah. what God expects of you yeah. there's n- not really any, any, any yeah. room for interpretation and the funny thing about that is even with all that structure and fire and brimstone and everything it was the Muslims mm-hmm. in the Middle Ages that were doing all the science yeah. and philosophy interesting well and Jews but not a lot of Christians yeah. and all the Christians who were were in the Catholic Church yeah well because those were pretty much in the Western oh, world, you make my Christians. brain fire on other oh, things, but man, Sufi, Sufi Muslims, the Sufi poets. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with Hafiz mm-hmm. and Rumi, and it's like I discovered them a few years ago, like maybe ten years ago. I fell madly in love with their ideas about God. They were so beautiful, 
so so beautiful but i had a muslim friend one time really colorful character okay would i know him um in beloit no he's kind of right. sort of famous but <laughs> he was a latin king drug guy oh went to prison for arson or something and converted grew up he was hispanic so he grew up catholic mm -hmm. converted to islam in prison Truth. so came out as a former latin king drug guy hardcore muslim but he was my neighbor okay and he would say lady you and i remember he'd come visit us and he would sit and one night i was reading a bible story of samuel because i was making a joke to josiah he was like mom are you talking to me and i'm like no honey i didn't call your name so then after like three times i'm like do you know there's a bible story about this honey and i sat and read it to him on the couch and my friend would go do you know we have that story too and he would tell me about all these similar stories and we would go back and forth and go lady you should be a muslim and i'm like i don't think i could do it and he did this thing he said this thing to me he said you christians make me crazy <laughs> he said you can act the way you want i have friends he said i have friends that smoke drink too go with girls that do whatever but jesus paid for all my sins so i'm good and he was like i know that i need to follow god not do this do this pray keep a short list and I may get there, yeah. but I may not. Where you can do whatever the hell you want. And I'm like, oh, you and your grace. And it was just interesting, his perspective. And I thought, I couldn't really argue because. This is why I had a huge problem. Okay, I'm sorry, I know. No, I no, this, yeah. But, and I think it was, you know, I'm rusty on my Lutheranism, but I'm pretty sure it was Martin Luther who yeah. was all about, it's not about works, it's about faith. Right. And Sin when boldly, I, when I grew uh, old enough to understand that and pick it apart, I had a problem with it. Yeah. Because I thought faith it can't can't have any. And I had this realization when I was still religious. What matters if not our works? Mm -hmm. Because well, that's what the Book of James says. You can have faith Without that's works, great, faith but dead. if no other human being is positively impacted by your faith, and if 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 they're in fact negatively impacted, I don't think God would be happy. You mm -hmm. know. So I, I always had a, an issue with that. Mm -hmm. um, and Muslims do seem to take that more seriously. And I kind of try to live, you know, mm -hmm. as somebody who's not religious. I try to, I kind of try to flex that a little bit, mm -hmm. and just try to be the best human being I can be. In case I, I know this is kind of childish, but in case I overhear somebody talking about how religion is the only source of goodness that yeah. a human can ever have. I, I do think love. that's very offensive um, when people say you can't be a good person. I remember telling a colleague of mine at Whitewater that my oldest son was an atheist. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. Is he a, is he a good person? <laughs> and I was like, well, he's like this high thing in the army. He's an incredible human being. He's a great father, a great husband, and a very moral person. Yeah. And it really hurt my heart because I know my son, right? And yeah. it was like, I thought, do you really believe that? But they, it's funny because they uh, said they have neighbors who are believers right now in the, in the state they live in. And their neighbors are really hardcore Christian and they really like them. And they thought, you're such good people. What church do you go to? And he's like, well, we're atheists. And, and he's like, I swear they thought they sacrificed babies or something. You know what I mean? It's really interesting um, yeah. how people have this... Uh, Look, but I think that there are s some people wherever you can find your source of goodness and mm -hmm. your guidelines for how you can conduct yourself in a way that's 
beneficial to people around you and the world as a whole. Wherever you can find that, good. I wish more religious people took their faith as not just a ticket to heaven, but a ticket to be a better person and treat, love your neighbor and actually do the things Jesus yes, said. Yes, because if you listen to Jesus, like you right. said earlier, the kingdom yeah. of God is here now. And right. I, 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 I think that, you know, as somebody who doesn't believe in the divinity mm-hmm. of Jesus, I do think he was probably a real person. There's mm-hmm. Most atheists, I think, will say, like, ah, he's not even a real guy. I have a hard time believing that there's so much much do about somebody that never existed. Mm. Um, I think that if if anything, there was an initial inspiration. It is troublesome that it's hard to pin down because we have a few, you know, mm-hmm. Yeshua's mm-hmm. in Palestine at the time that the Romans wrote about, and we're not sure which one would have been Jesus, the Jesus that mm-hmm. is described in the Gospels, or if it was even all only one guy who mm-hmm. did all that. But that's a discussion for another day. Did you see the movie Religious? I have, yes, I did. Okay, I saw it in the theaters. I remember seeing it in Chicago and it was interesting because an atheist person, Bill Moore, yeah. took the argument that because there was this redemption story, right, like the God that sent his son to die, it was in Mithra, the sun god, it was this story that had been throughout right. civilization. He took that to prove that it was a bullshit story. I came out of that movie thinking, wow, to me it was even more evidence that there was a God who was trying to get the same narrative right. across. Like this one narrative Which is, is what Muslims believe. Thread throughout. Muslims believe in God. Muslims believe that every, well, the key distinction with Jesus in Islam is that he isn't the son of God. Right. He's a human. He's a prophet. Right? Yes. One of the most important prophets. Yeah. He was because he, he was a prophet yeah. with a book. There yeah. were there were different kinds of prophets in Islam, mm-hmm. namely, every, I think every one named in the mm-hmm. Old Testament, mm-hmm. and then um, John the Baptist and Jesus, mm-hmm. and I think that and then Muhammad and that would be it. And not all of them came with a book, right? But the ones that did were considered mm-hmm. to be you know so so you know, Abraham Moses Jesus Abraham. Isn't remembered as having brought a book, but in Islam, they you know he's, the father, he's right? one of the yeah. yeah. So um, those prophets are held a little higher because they had the, the word of God, and the uh, narrative there is that it was more or less the same. It was just delivered in such a way that the people it was being delivered to would best Culture. understand it mm-hmm. and absorb mm-hmm. it. So like mm-hmm. with in the Arab world, it was given to an Arab man mm-hmm. in Arabic. Because that's the language they spoke. Mm-hmm. God's pretty smart. He would give it to them in the right. language in the context that they, they sure. needed. And, he, and, he, and, and, and the story goes, you know, the thinking goes, is that he did that for every people. And in Islam, I think in the Quran it says this, each and every tribe and nation of people that has ever existed has had that same message. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a neat idea, I think. Like, mm-hmm. obviously I don't believe that that's possible, but yeah. it's, it's definitely a compelling religious idea. You know what's funny? As far as people being scared of Islam and thinking it's this anti-God thing, it's, the same God. it's such a ridiculous <laughs> idea. They have obviously done their work because it's the God of Abraham. And right? the other thing... And it's... I remember um, I had somebody, a family member, get upset when I used to run a youth center and I decided to have a faith forum over like two, three months yeah. where I had a Baha'i guy come in mm-hmm. and I had a uh, Jewish rabbi come in mm-hmm. And then I was looking for an imam um, 
Instead, I got a woman, the college professor, Deborah Majit. She's a wonderful person. But I remember somebody telling me, this is terrible. You're, you're exposing the kids to Islam. And I thought it was so interesting because the Jewish rabbi, this person, stood in the back of the room and said, what do you think about Jesus? And most typically Christians, especially American Christians, love the Jewish faith, right? We defend the Jews and Israel and screw the Palestinians and just heartbreaking to me. But whatever. I have an interesting I know, but set just, of... Okay, we could get it there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. this woman, the, this person asked the Jewish rabbi, tell me about Jesus, waiting to say, like, I'm glad she had a Jewish rabbi come in. And this was his response. No offense to Jewish, but he was like, Jesus, eh? Literally, like, no significance. We don't really put any significance in him. Yeah. The, the Muslim Muslims woman do. that came the next week that was an evangelist. She was an evangelist for Christians. She converted to Islam at, like, in her 40s. Huh. Beautiful. Kind of a beautiful story. Yeah. And she was drawn by the beauty of Islam. And this person asked her, I want to know about Jesus. Expecting her to be like, eh. She was like, oh, Jesus. The Christ. We review him. Yeah. He is God's special man. We do not believe he is God, but we believe he is special and should be respected at all levels. And it was beautiful. Her attitude, and I'm not judging the rabbi, but the rabbi's yeah, attitude yeah. was like, well, whatever. Yeah, uh, and the well, Muslim but, lady was like, this is beautiful. He's God's special person. Right. And that was really eye-opening. Look at it from the rabbi's point of view, though. Like, I wonder what it must be like to be Jewish in a world where Christians are the dominant religious. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, Christians are walking around with the Hebrew Bible with some other books on the end of it. Yeah. And act like it's theirs. It's so Do true. you at least acknowledge that, you know, yeah. there's a progression, there's a... Yeah. And so a Muslim would believe that, well, you know, yeah, God gave the Hebrews... Mm -hmm these books and then he gave them some more and then he gave the Arabs this, this book and you know and the story of like Abraham and you know if I understand right you probably could check, correct me here, but so you know God told Abraham he'd have a son he didn't believe remember and then yeah. he had Hagar and he, he has to send her away with her son Ishmael which was the roots of the Islam come out of Ishmael well, and Hagar right in a, in a roundabout sort of. fashion in, in, okay if you're, you're talking about from, from a Muslim point of view yes yeah. Well, a Muslim would say that Adam was the first Muslim. Oh, okay. And then Noah, Abraham, so on and so forth. But it was the Arab people who were descended. The Arab people Came who were from descended of Ishmael. Ishmael. Which... And which was why they've always been blessed. Like, God always promised to take care of Hagar and Ishmael. And some would argue that's why, like, the Arab people have always been blessed. Like, with the oil and the riches and the... Yeah. Um... The interesting disconnect there for me is that the Hebrews and Christians say it was the Jews, Jews and Christians say, you know, say that it was Isaac that was going to be sacrificed mm -hmm. and that was spared at the last second. Mm -hmm. Muslims say it was Ishmael. Really? Yeah. Which would have meant that he didn't send Ishmael away. Yeah, I'm not clear on that. I'm trying to. I read the Quran and yeah, yeah, like yeah. like 14 years yeah. ago. <laughs> it's interesting. Though. Oh man, I'm old. Um, <laughs> you are no. older than I realized. Well, I was 42 when I met you then, and I'm. I'm going to be 33 this year. Wow. Crazy. You're the same exact age as my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. My mom's birthday's in a couple days. Wow. <laughs> I was going to make sure it wasn't today. Yeah. Um, can't forget your mom's birthday. Yeah, uh, four days. She'll be wow. 56 or 57. So, what do you want your life to look like, Brandon? Like when you die, what would what do you want to be remembered as? I want to be remembered as 
an eccentric philosopher. You don't or you do? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I won't know, but I want to be remembered. Well, I, I guess uh, I don't want to fall into the trap of wanting to be remembered, but it's human, right? Is that narcissistic? No, I don't think it is because I think as a conscious being, I guess if you really want to get Eastern philosophy with it, and mm-hmm. I think the healthiest thing would be to be completely detached mm-hmm. and let go of everything, including your own ego. We took that Eastern philosophy yeah, yeah, yeah. together, yeah. I remember that, yep. Mm-hmm. That was oh, fascinating. And that's where I went after I lost mm-hmm. monotheism. I kind of went, mm-hmm. that's where I eventually found some meaning and mm-hmm. peace. Um, and maybe that could be a part two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, unless you're going to go that far and really, if you, you know, if that's your value that we should let go of everything and be completely impassive and just, um, yeah, that's great. But I think that unless you're going to go that far with it, it's natural to want to be remembered because, mm-hmm. and this is the same thing, this, I want to connect this back to the beginning when you were talking about philosophy 101 and how threatened you must have felt because your beliefs were such an important part of your identity. And now those beliefs are being challenged, so your core identity is being challenged. I've always said that. That's and why that's it hurts not, so bad. Yeah, yeah, and that's painful, like, physiologically, because you need to have that sense of self and security in order to conduct yourself in the world as, as a human animal. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that, that's a scary, like, what, you know, what the fuck do you do? Like, you can't do anything until you've done that. You, you have to have some kind of foundation. And if you lose your own identity, you've lost that foundation. Wow, Brandon. Okay, you're helping me figure out something on myself. And I have ADD. I, I hope so. Chemo and Don't we all? Okay, oh, so I think chemo, me and that intro to philosophy class at 42, that woman, you were like, oh my God. You're right. My faith and my identity were one. So when Schmid starts to slice off, <laughs> I felt surgically annihilated. Like, what are you doing? I'm bleeding everywhere, right? And I'm like, this has got to be bullshit. Who is Kathy now? Now I'm a woman who is a person who has a faith, I think, still, okay? And this is what I believe it looks like, the person of Jesus, blah, 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 his mission. But I am Kathy who has a faith. Before, I was Kathy the Christian. Now I am Kathy who believes and still holds to some Christian tenets, but has let go of a lot of them. So it was something I had instead of something I was. But when you met me, it was something... I was. And it, it, there is a difference. There is a difference. It's now something I hold instead of something that's inside of me. It's almost like internal versus external. Does that feel better? It sits with me better. It makes sense. And it helps me look at it easier because... There's a but. I'm looking... Well, it's the people-pleasing part of me when I know that I make my dad sad or... That's got to be difficult. I think about that. It's painful. More than you might realize. It's really painful. Specifically... Whenever yeah. I see the interactions on yeah. Facebook. It's really painful. Especially when my dad called me after my last podcast I did and said, Honey, was it so bad the way you were raised? And I'm like, I mean, no, for the most part. I had this idyllic idea that Jesus loves me, this I know. But I remember seven years old going to sleep worrying about the little kid in Africa that never heard of Jesus yeah. and was going to go to hell. That's another problem I that always had. bothered me. And yes, and then the rapture, when, when people get taken away and I'm going to be left... And I had a list of like five people that were better than me. And if I could never find those five people at the same time, I was screwed, right? So that did keep me awake at night. And was that my dad's fault? No, my dad gave me the best, just like I gave my kids the best. But am I glad I'm not afraid anymore? Oh, I'm so glad. So that does sit better with me. I had a lot of fear of hell when I was a kid, too. Me, too. And I, um, when I was 
mm, eight or nine or ten or something. Yeah. Was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. And Ooh. I had thoughts constantly, just yeah. re- repetitive thoughts, and a lot of it was focused on God and yeah. hell, and just I was just couldn't get these repetitive mm. this idea that I was going to go to hell because I wasn't good enough out of my head. Um, and that sucked. People <laughs> underestimate how damaging that is. Yeah. It is damaging. Um, I, I, that's one of the many things that I, like, if I were ever to have any kind of belief in the Abrahamic God again, mm-hmm. hell would have to be completely different from what it is. Yeah, hell hasn't existed for me being a Christian for about 20 years. Uh, and not because I just threw it out. My son would go, Mom, you're a cherry picker. <laughs> no, because I don't believe Jesus really ever talked about it. And there's words he used, but they were like, one was a trash heap outside of Jerusalem, Gehenna. Right, yeah. You know, and the doctrine of hell really came about later, and the early church didn't believe in a doctrine of hell. So there is a way you can be a believer and throw out hell. I don't think that hell does Paul talk about. Paul does a little bit, but not much. It's book of Revelation does. It's I know Revelation, that. but like That's my the most husband. Suspect book of the whole. But my husband says that guy was on an acid trip oh, and yeah. just recorded it all, or and then we take this. Amanita Muscaria or whatever Absolutely. he had access. No, that would it's, have been more like Scandinavia. It's ridiculous. They would have had. Well, they had cannabis, opium. Yeah. Um, Probably ayahuasca. I don't know. No, that's South America. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have DMT in our brains, but yeah. not enough to. Oh yeah, our brains produce it, as do most trees and a lot of other animals. We should talk about psychedelics sometime. Yep. That'd be fun. Yep. I would very much like that. Yeah. I've kind of come full circle on that. Yeah. Myself. Though. So, I'm kind of like. Yeah. I had somebody invite me the other day. Yeah. To go take yeah. acid with them and yeah. I, I I am too old it's becoming but it's becoming <laughs> such a mainstream too thing old for that um, I had somebody make an argument for God uh, using acid saying how come when people go on acid trips they always still see this being that's yeah. looking down it's either vengeful that's, or happy okay. or, that's really interesting so, <laughs> without getting into too much there are a number of different types of seeking and searching and Different different activities that I've engaged in that have led me to believe there's something there's got to be something, mm-hmm. and I think that human religions have maybe touched on it in some mm-hmm. way or have attempted to. But maybe just scratch the surface. I don't think that I could ever believe again mm-hmm. in a god that was anthropomorphic or that in whose image we were created, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. If I were going to interpret that, I would say that maybe conscious awareness. Sapience, self-awareness, is the mm. image, mm. and I also don't think that we're the only animals that have that. Mm. You know, and that's another thing where I'm going to lose some of my academic friends if they hear this. Um, I think that we just don't understand the ways in which other animals are conscious, and I don't know how I would, and I have nothing to back that up with. I, these are the kinds of things I would never talk with mm-hmm. people in those academic circles with. So I like that I'm but have this fun? Is it opportunity. Fun thinking oh, about I love it. it. Oh, I love it. Isn't it's the it kind fun? of stuff that I think about constantly, yeah. especially now when yeah. I have all this time to just yeah. think. I spend half the time just alone in my apartment, like mm-hmm. in such deep thought that I'm just like standing against a wall, not real. Like I'm just to, uh, to anyone looking at me, I would look like we need to call the people to have this dude taken away. But I'm just in such deep thought that I'm like stuck, and then like and then I'll kind of snap out of it and realize like, oh, I should. Do you know what? I gotta tell you something. I have a memory, one memory from a child that I've never forgotten, and I think you would understand it. Um, 
I have a lot of I had a lot of trauma as a kid, but I was always a, a quiet thinker back then. And I remember being on a swing. I must have been seven or eight, and I had a feeling. I don't know how to describe this that I was on the brink, I was looking over an abyss, I was on the brink of understanding everything. Everything. I never forgot that feeling. Do you know what I Why mean? Why did you turn back? I, 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 well, I think I would have went forward. It just was like, right before me, it was almost like, <gasps> and then it stopped. I never forgot that, ever. It just stayed with me. But you know what kind of took that out of me? Was religion. Really? Because religion, in a way, gave me an answer and a framework to understand everything, supposedly. Yeah. And that's where it fit, was in this neat little box. Yeah. And I always yearned, even through all them years of being a good church lady and stuff. like To have that experience. To that moment. To I always go further. back to that moment. And I don't think about that moment much. Rarely at all. But when you said you're in your apartment. Yeah. I, I know. Just thinking too. And now, one thing I love about where I'm at is the possibilities are endless. Like, I have a friend who's a legit ghost hunter. So, I know. My, my oldest son's oh, like, that's okay, mom, fun. I mean, I don't week. believe in any but, of it, but it would be neat to go do just to fun? do it. it and she fun. showed me videos. She showed me videos with machines where she was in an old VFW that was abandoned. Mm. Oh my God, Brandon. It's like, I almost feel high talking about it. But <laughs> I heard this guy talk to her. And she's a lawyer, too. Okay? Yep. And he actually called her counselor. Okay? And he says to her, she talked to interact with two different things. One was obviously a World War One, and one was a Vietnam. And you could, you could tell by what they were referencing. And she's not a bullshitter. She's somebody that's a legit, good, wonderful person. But... So I've, I had it as my goal last year to go with her. Yeah. And, like, become, like, a ghost hunter. But I know it doesn't... defies logic. But what I love about what I believe now is that I don't know much. I don't fucking know much. And I am open to whatever. And it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me. And it feeds me. And I've also been into this thing called platonic intimacy. Like, we were bought, the, sold the lie that one person, we're going to meet this one person and they're going to, like, fill all these needs uh, in our life. That's killed me. It's such... Oh, it, it, I've, it's I've killed me most of my life. No effort toward anything, really, in my life other than trying to find love. Yeah. I, I, because I, I guess... I don't know. I can't blame anyone for yeah. putting that much importance on it for me. I think I just did that to myself, but because of that... Well, we were told it's supposed to be that way. I've let friendships go. I've let work yeah. opportunities pass me by. Yeah. Schoolwork suffer. Yeah. Just because I, I've had this one focus. And yeah. now I'm realizing, like... I don't think I'm that kind of person. I don't think I could really be with one person my whole life, and I don't. I don't know. Like I spent so much of my life thinking that, that was what was going to complete me. That now I kind of. That's the lie. I I think you're such a special man, and I I so believe you're going to find the right person. But, yeah, but I think but, that. But is, isn't that just more of the trap? Should, isn't I, that no, just more of no, the? No, because I think this. Take this advice from no lady. I think you should not worry about it till it kicks you in the face. Love. Yes. And when it kicks you in the what face... What sucks is then it does, and sometimes life still determines you can't be with that person. Sometimes. Okay, so in the meantime, do this. This right here... Now, don't, please don't take this as weird. I know what you're... It's yeah. platonic intimacy. I'm, I'm getting something out of this conversation, this intellectual, but not just intellectual, this, this connection, mm -hmm. where you get what I'm saying, I get what you're saying. Um, you're putting me back to the being seven on the swing. 
I have something to say about that too. I want to live there. I want to. I really want to be in that place. And certain people bring that back. Certain conversations bring that back. And I find when I'm open to the universe bringing me these connections, I find them in weird places, yeah. Brandon. I find them in the grocery store line, or I find them at Quick Trip. You know. That those that, yeah. those, those short t- types of conversations with people in public, that strangers. Yeah. That's what they call you know social integration. Yeah. Where you're not deeply connected with somebody, but you can just socialize with them. Yeah. That's another thing that's associated with a longer life, is if you're yeah. socially integrated, if you're able to have a conversation yeah. with us. Not everybody does that, yeah. you know, so I... At the I, beginning of this pandemic, I was at Quick Trip, and there was a beautiful dreaded man, young man, I'm just going to be honest, he was really beautiful, about 40, and he was standing in front of the freezer case, like, and people were scrambling to get food, you know, in the yeah. beginning when we're all like, there's gonna be no eggs, there's not going to be eggs, and he was like, I was there for donuts, because I don't want to be fucking quarantined without donuts, right, okay? Yeah. And here I am, this middle-aged, chubby woman with donuts. And he's looking at the thing, and he's like, what do I get? I'm like, I know, honey, I know. What do we get? What are we, are we loading up on frozen pizzas? What do people do, right? And he's like, I know. What the hell do you know what to do? So we just had this fun, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I went over to him, so I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to be quarantined with donuts. I'm not going to be quarantined without donuts. And he laughed, and he just had this bar- sparkly laugh. And he comes over to me and goes, can I give you something? I'm like, sure. And he gives me this piece of paper, and I thought it was like, vote for me, I'm running for something, or, I don't know. And it had his number on it. And he goes, I don't do this all the time, but I would love to spend time with you. I love your energy. Would you call me? And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. I was like, I know you. Yeah, he was kind of hitting on (laughs) me, right? And I was like, seriously, but I'm married, and I'm just this old lady, and I'm buying donuts, for God's sakes. And he was like, I don't care. He goes, this was wonderful. And I said, you know what? You're so sweet. I'm going to take this in as that platonic intimacy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he goes, I said, take it into you too. Take this, take it as light, you know? And he was like, I am. Thank you. And I walked away and I thought, I just, it just made my whole day. That's the kind of thing that we need more of. And I'm, that's one of the things that through that door, I wouldn't be able to come back because I was alone. So you felt like you could have went there? I was like, every time I see like an older mentally ill gentleman who mm-hmm. was clearly a hippie back in the day oh, walking down the street I think right. that could be me if I go right. through this door I, see what you're saying. I might figure it all out and learn it all but I won't be able to tell anyone yeah. and nobody would believe me yeah. so I went I'm too young maybe some other day and I turned back wow. and never got back there yet but I the felt it it was right that, there but the possibility the possibility to me gives credence there is something bigger there than us there has to be there has to be yeah Um, and then I forget what the other thing was that I wanted to touch on. Oh man, yeah, hmm. that's how it goes. <laughs> I think that's a great place to end. All right, sounds unless good. you got something that you. Oh, I could talk forever. So this is what I I'm best really at. appreciate this. We'll see who gets through this two-hour conversation, but um, I'm honored. Yeah, I'm glad that you finally. I'm glad. Well, we've had time. And we've I had for- this opportunity. And I forget. Instead of you just being this guy that's been at the top of my podcast list. You were this guy that started the journey with me in in 2007 or what? Six, what? Is, yeah. Wow. Six or seven. At six. Yeah, probably. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Me One Reason. If you're interested in contacting us or being on the show, please go to GiveMeOneReason.org 
or call Kathy Taylor at 608-728-3284. I thought I was going to hell because I didn't understand the things the church would tell.